You're listening to the Redemption City Church podcast. To learn more about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Adam Wilson. I had a really memorable first day of college, first class of college. It was uh, Philosophy 101. And um, freshman year, 2005. Woo! What a mercy. Um, and uh, the professor walks up, and uh, this is how he started the class. He said, God does not exist. Here's why. With all the suffering and pain in the world, it is absolutely impossible that a God that is both good, fully good, and a God that is both all-powerful could ever exist. And that started a really spicy discussion. I remember I jumped into that really spicy intellectual uh, debate that, that went on for the rest of that class about that, you know, that statement, that argument. And usually we think about that, intellect, that, that argument as an intellectual objection. Uh, but really, as I've started to pastor and ministry more, I've realized that, that really that question, that objection actually is most often more experiential, more emotional. It, it's, it's a cry of pain, really, saying, God, how, how can the, the pain and the suffering and the hardship and the heartbreak that I've been experiencing, how do I reconcile that, that you're in control and that you're good? It's a cry of pain. And it's not just a cry that an intellect, uh, uh, intellectual argument that an uh, atheist uh, philosophy would, professor would make, but um, this is a question that we wrestle with, that we struggle with in our heart. When we experience the, the pain of this world, it causes us to look back to God with the tough questions, the doubts, the confusions. Every one of you is walking in with some kind of pain this morning, whether it's yours or someone close to you. Uh, the loss of a loved one, parenting struggles, deep anxiety and depression that seems unending, um, hardships in your marriage, hardships in your friendships, relational transience. Man, I've been lamenting that one recently. Uh, deep loneliness, job loss, financial insecurity. The list could go on. I, I know that you are. We're coming up on, on the holidays with family. Some of y'all are going to come back with some pain in a week. So um, these pain points, they form a tension point for us, right? On the one hand, we have these beautiful promises of God that we, um, that we hold on to, that we sing about. God is near to us. He's, he's moving his kingdom on through his people. He's redeemed us in Christ. He's near to us. But then when we experience these frequent pain and, um, and letdowns, this, this conflict arises in our souls about God's promise, and this gap forms. This gap forms between the promises of God and the pain we experience. And those experiences of pain and brokenness can do two things to your walk with Jesus. They can deaden it or they can deepen it. Pain pain is a catalyst that will make you cling to God or it's trauma that catapults you away from him in apathy and in anger. And so how do we ensure that this gap doesn't um, lead us to bitter hearts? to deaden our heart towards God, to see pain actually invigorate, actually deepen our walk with him, our worship of Jesus. And here's how. Pain leads to promise when we embrace God's gift of lament. 
Lament is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Lament stands in the gap, connecting pain and promise together. I love how Mark uh, Vrogop defines lament. He says, lament is an honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and and a promise of God's goodness. Now to many, lament might seem like the opposite of praise. Uh, an antithesis to praise, but in reality, lament is actually the path to praise, of praise, through your disappointment and through your pain. And uh, there's, a, there's a few reasons I'm focusing on lament, and I've actually preached on this before, um, and if you come into a counseling meeting in my office, I'm probably going to hand you or talk to you uh, about lament. Uh, it's kind of become one of my hobby horses, and here, here's why. A uh, few points on why. Lament, point one, we need lament to balance our worship. Um, when I was like 14, my dad started talk, teaching me how to um, lift weights. And he, I remember this one principle. He's like, you have to make sure you like work out, you lift in a balanced way. If you just did chest every day, like some guys I see in the gym, you would have huge uh, chesticles, pe- pecs. Uh, pecs is probably better than chesticles, but I'll go with that. Um, but what would happen? You would be an unbalanced person. You would be hunched over. You would, be an, a non, you would not be a good, healthy, functioning person. Um, person. Your back would be crooked. And and lament is the same thing. Lament is the opposing muscle to rejoicing, to have a a balanced body of worship to God. If you don't know how to be, if you don't know how to lament, you will be a hunched over Christian. Your walk with Jesus will be shallow and weak. Uh, Number two, we are just not good at lament. Um, My brother on the the drums, uh, Jeff, we were praying before the service, and he just, (laughs) he just goes, God, we suck at lament. And I was like, amen. We do. We just, we generally do. American Christians are not good at lament, generally, I've found. Uh, we're a culture that loves everything, like up and to the right. Hashtag blessed all the time. We're winning, winning, winning. We're happy and clappy. And lament just does not feel like that. And so we, we, we don't do it. Now, there's a problem with that. Pain is the norm for a broken world. I love this quote. It's so freeing by Zach Eswine. Um, He says, in this fallen world, listen to this, sadness is an act of sanity. Our tears, a testimony of the sane. What he's saying is that you should not be able to go a day in this broken world without encountering things that will break your heart, that will cause you sadness and sorrow. And so there's constant evidence that we we don't really know how to deal with sadness, I think. Most Christians are really uncomfortable walking into grief. If you walk into a friend that's lost somebody or a funeral, I, most of us get really uncomfortable. Very few of our worship songs as Christians are, have anything to do with lament. And in the Psalms, I don't know if you knew, are actually worship songs for the Bible. It's like the Old Testament worship book. A third of them are laments. A third of 150 Psalms have something to do with lament. I don't think uh, our worship songs are, are quite that balanced. Um, I mean, many Christians I encounter are struggling with deep bitterness um, towards God, this unresolved grief in their heart. I uh, even talked to a Christian this week that said, man, I was so thankful for their honesty. They said, just, um, I think I believe that God is good, but I just, I don't, I can't, I don't think he's good towards me at all. And the third reason I want to talk about this is it's really just impacted me deeply. I'm uh, I'm a satisfied customer of Lament. Um, and I'm still growing in it, but uh, a big part of my story, or Jen and I's story, my wife, is that um, we've walked through three miscarriages as a family since we've been here in Baltimore, um, 
And when I came to Baltimore, when we went through our first miscarriage, I could, I just finished seminary, I could define lament for you. I did not know how to do it, and I did not do it. I could not do it. Um, and most people around us um, in our small young church plant in Baltimore were uncomfortable, and just people in our life were uncomfortable with grief and didn't know how to address it. I remember one time showing up to, to our very um, new gospel community when our church was really young, and we, just a few days before, had just had our um, second miscarriage. And I just remember showing up, and I was leading, you know, I was just numb with pain, but I was leading this gospel community, and I show up, and everyone knew about it, and um, I just remember showing up, and, um, and, and, and nobody said anything. Um, and it was the hardest thing, and about halfway through, I just couldn't even, uh, I actually had just brought it up halfway through the service, like, guys, what is going on? Like, <laughs> why has nobody said anything? And, um, and everyone's heart broke because they wanted to say something. They just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to help us. And, um, but slowly, God started putting people in our life to, to press us towards lament. And, and um, man, one brother, uh, he just knows what he's going to get talked about in a sermon, so he just shows up. Tyler on our core team is here. Love you, brother. Um, he's just visiting. But, uh, man, we had Tyler living with us in our basement. How old were you then? 25? 25. Single. And, um, man, started to teach us how to lament. Um, this single guy that had never been married, never had kids, never had a miscarriage, started walking us through how to, how to press into God amidst pain. And um, man, over the years, guys, we've gotten to see lament being a tool that God has used to turn our, our doubts and our pain into gratitude and trust. And Jen and I, we worship Jesus so much more deeply and intimately because of the grief that we've gone through. And I really want that for everyone in our church. I want that for you. So my goal for you today is not that we would just learn about lament, but that we would practice it together. Um, you guys saw you have a little, little, little worksheet. Um, that's, that's for you now, what to take home. Um, but here's the big idea I want you to get today, is that lament is a gift, a gift to worship God in our pain together. Um, we're going to be in the Psalms. We're going to be a couple Psalms. Uh, you heard Psalm 77 re- read. We're going to dip into Psalm 22 for a moment as well. Let me, um, let me pray briefly too, because Here's my invitation to you. I, I want you to learn about lament. I, I want, I, I'm inviting you into an act of courage. I, I want you to take pain in your life that you probably haven't addressed or brought before the Lord. I want you to do that today. I want you to do that this week. And I know it takes some courage. I know it's a big ask. Um, but, uh, but I'm asking you to do that. And I'm going to pray that we would do that. So let me pray for us. And um, we'll dive in. Man, Father, um, just want to come and thank you. We can come to you with anything. You aren't scared of anything. You're big enough for all our doubts and all our pain and all our fears, all our confusions, all our questions. And um, God, I confess, I, 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 I don't always come to you. We confess, we, we don't always come to you with our, with our pain. And so God, um, would you free our hearts? Would you give us courage to come with you, to come to you in trust and in worship? with all the hard stuff in our life right now. Would you change us in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, guys, four rhythms of lament I want to walk you through um, that I want to practice together as a church. One, keep coming to God. Back to Psalm 77. Look at the first three verses. This is uh, Asaph saying, I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. 
So Asaph, this, this guy wrote this psalm. He's a worship leader. Um, he led Israel in worship, wrote songs, um, was musically skilled. So today, think creative brother. He's probably got a tattoo right here. His, his V is deep. His jeans are skinny. Uh, his beanie is on even in the summertime. Um, so picture that. Uh, and in this, it's, this, it's this courageous honesty that this worship leader is going to encourage us, that it is good to always cry out to God. The language is through, a, this language of crying out is through um, about 50 times throughout 50, 150 of the Psalms. And uh, what, is he, what does this tell us? That he's coming to us in his anguish, that we should come to God in our pain. When pain and disappointment hits, our, our knee-jerk reaction should be going straight to God. And I know it seems so obvious, like, duh, dude, why is that even a point? But it, it's not. I don't think we practice that very much. Um, we don't do it very much. Many people, um, I have a lot of people come pour out their souls to me um, as a pastor, which is such a privilege, how discouraged they are, or they can't understand what God is doing, or just deep, deep pain that they're going through. And um, I have learned to ask this question almost every time. Uh, just have you told God about that? Have you poured out your soul to God about that? And I can tell you so often the answer, it just makes people, I can tell there's just so much pain even when I ask that question. And most, most often the question is, no, I haven't. I've talked to my friend, I've talked to my spouse, I've talked to my mama about it, like, but I haven't, I haven't brought it before the Lord. Um, lots of us, although these are good people, go straight to a spouse or a good friend. Lots of us are entertained or distracted by work. Lots of us... Um, maybe even distract with some kind of substance. And a lot of us, honestly, just cover it up. We, we come with a smile on our face on the outside while we're dying on the inside. But look at, look at how Asaph comes to God. He comes raw. I, I love this. He does not have everything processed. He hasn't, like, gone through a systematic theology book and, like, processed all his pain, and now he can tell people about it. He comes crying and with tears, raw, uncomposed. He keeps coming, too. The, the language of this text is it's this extended season of pain. This isn't a five-minute prayer session. Day and night, it says he's stretching out his hands without wearying because of his distress. And, and he comes when it's hard. He's coming to God. He's not feeling this deep comfort and sense of joy when he's coming to God. He says, I'm moaning when I remember God. Coming to him was hard. It was painful, but he doesn't stop. He keeps coming. Don't stop, won't stop. And um, think about it. So I want you guys to think about it for you. When you guys are in pain, distress, confusion, doubt, when you first experience it, what's your knee-jerk response? Who do you go to? What do you go to? The worst thing you can do in your pain is ignore God or just give him the silent treatment. Silent despair will kill your soul. And, and, and we really know this. Um, man, Jen and I, a few weeks ago, we had a rough couple of days of like kind of back and forth, a little bit of conflict. And, and what, what got us out of that was that we brought, aired everything out. We, we brought it out into the open. You guys know for any relationship to grow in intimacy when there's pain or doubt or confusion, you have to air it out. You have to bring it out or else it'll just, you'll just separate and get cold towards one another. And man, with our miscarriages, I, I really struggled with this. I really struggled to come to God. I, I still remember those initial days um, of our first couple of marriages, uh, miscarriages. I remember just sitting, sitting in the house um, in silence, not knowing what to do with the pain. I just remember this mountain of heaviness 
on my chest of silence and not being able to do anything else. Um, so honestly, I looked for ways to escape. I, um, and I was really entertained. I went on too many fishing outings. Um, I drowned myself in ministry to get away, uh, just to get away from that mountain of, of weight of silence on my chest. And guys, I'm certain you're coming in here today um, with pains or disappointments that you haven't brought with him. And he, he longs for you to come with those. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Guys, pain is not God's strategy to push you away. It's his, it's his invitation. It's his rousing of you to come and cling to him. So come to God. Keep coming to the one who holds every atom in the universe together, who knows all the hairs on your head, who's not a powerless bystander. You can come to him messy and snotty and honest, even with that ugly cry face uh, that some of us have. And man, together, here's how we can help each other. Even if you're not the one in pain, one of the best things you can do is take someone by the hand, uh, physically or, or just metaphorically, spiritually, right? Take them to God. Man, we need good friends, but more than anything, more than what your friend needs from you is to connect with God in their pain. And man, we're in good company, aren't we? Jesus says in um, Hebrews 5, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. So we come to God and we keep coming even when it's hard. The second rhythm of lament I want to show you is uh, bringing your honest complaints. Yo, listen to these, listen to these three verses. They're intense. This is what Asaph prays, sings. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? So Asaph is, is getting to the core of his heart, what's going on in his heart right now, in his pain. He's expressing honest doubts about God's work, about his character even. And man, I don't think most of us have the courage to ask these questions to God. I think most of us don't have the courage to admit that we're even thinking these things to ourselves. I mean, listen to this, guys. These questions. God, have, have you rejected me forever? Do you even love me? Can I believe anything that you've said is even true? Are you just angry with me? Are you going to go on being angry with me forever? That's, that's what it feels like right now. This is important. Asaph knows the right theology, right? He knows the Bible said God is good and that God is loving, that his promises are trustworthy, and that his steadfast love is, is never going to end and endures forever. But in his pain and in his agony, in this current experience, it, it doesn't look like those things are true. Asaph's circumstances seem, seem at odds with God's promises. So he honestly complains. And I know what you're thinking. You hear complaining to God and be like, man, that, that kind of just sounds like we're being like a grumbly, whiny kid who, who doesn't like the toy they got or, or got their toys taken away. But there's a difference between a godly complaint and a whiny kid. And I want to show you um, why. Um, I love Todd Billings' um, definition of godly complaint. Here's what he says. He says, writers of lament and complaints in the Psalms often seek to make their case against God, frequently citing God's promises in order to complain that God seems to be forgetting his promises. They throw his promises back at him. I mean, once you see godly complaints, once you see what they are, you'll see them all over the Bible. Listen, here's a few. Psalm 142. 
I pour out my complaints before him. I tell my trouble to him. Why do you stand, Psalm 10, why do you stand far off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 43, 94, I can read. How long, O Lord, how long will the wicked be allowed to gloat? Here's what godly complaint says. God, you've promised to be near to those that follow you. My circumstances don't seem to back that up right now, though. You seem far. But because I really am trying to believe your promises, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you even with my complaints in faith. And guys, this isn't just exemplified in the Bible. It's actually encouraged. You're encouraged to bring godly complaints to him. Man, remember, these are, these are worship songs. This is like the worship set of the, of the Old Testament. So can you guys imagine, um, like, Spencer and Joy and, and Sweeney um, and Jeff, who am I missing, Isaac, come up here and singing these questions, leading us to sing these questions to God? I don't think we have a lot of um, comfort with that. I, even sometimes, there are times where we do... Um, what I'll share with people and I'll share with some of you about honest doubts or, or, or struggle with unbelief that I'm having towards God. And I'll be like, man, I just, I'm really struggling with believing that God is, um, man, just a really disappointed dad that, that doesn't love me. And I can tell people like, oh, whoa, like is the pastor allowed to say that? Like, can I, can I is that okay? Like, do I need to report that? Like, <laughs> I think we need a culture where we can, we can struggle with honest doubt together, that we lay our pain and frustration honestly before God and, and before each other. Because bold, honest complaints to God are are what helps move you towards worship and trust. They're taking you somewhere. And if you withhold honest complaints from God, it might seem like it's the better Christian thing to do, but honestly, your heart will grow cold and distant and apathetic. You'll settle for a shallow Christianity that can't address the hard parts of life for you or for other people. And guys, we have this like whack Church culture, I think, where a lot of times we feel like we need to walk through the doors here or gospel community, and all of a sudden we just change into everything is great and everything is blessed and nothing is hard and I can take on anything with a smile. And, and I think that's just a huge lie. We can come to God with our honest complaints and, and we can do that together. Now, um, we need some guardrails. Complaints not a right to be angry at God. It's not a right to be in constant despair or prideful grumbling to justify yourself, but we come to him humbly, holding to his promises, honestly. And um, man, our miscarriages, I really struggled to believe God's good, goodness and his trustworthiness, especially at the start. I couldn't admit it, though. I couldn't admit that to, to others, to God. I, I, could not, I couldn't even admit it to myself, I don't think, um, I was, I was fearful. I was fearful that my doubts wouldn't have good answers. Um, I felt ashamed because good Christians, and, and especially good pastors, don't ask hard questions like that and don't have doubts like that. And guys, there are all kinds of fears that, that come up that keep us from honest, godly complaints. Fear that what others are going to think of us. Fear that God's going to fail us or our doubts might actually come true. Fear that God will be angry with us uh, for these complaints. But guys, these are, these are so unfounded. The Father wants you to come to him in your complaint. I, I remember um, Christmas Day was quite a doozy for the Wilsons this last year. We got Deacon, you know, it's the first bike, no training wheels. And um, I started to gently encourage him down a hill. And then Tim Wilkerson distracted me. And um, next thing I know, Deacon is flipping over the handlebars, 
um, onto his face, onto the pavement. It's not good. Like, huge, huge gash right here. And, uh, man, he was screaming in pain, and he came to Jen and I. And what do you think our response was? Just, just He was complaining of the pain, and, and what do you think our response was to that? Suck it up. Put a smile on your face. Wilsons, don't cry. No, it was... It was, oh my gosh, I hate, that you're, I hate that you're in pain. Let me scoop you up. Let me take in your arms. Let us take you to the hospital. Extra care, extra attention, extra joy just to take you up in our arms in this situation, right? I think that's how our Father is with us too. So we come to God with honest complaint, and, and even when we come on behalf of others, we bring honest doubts and confusions for our brothers and sisters in pain. And we've had so many people minister to us in this way, guys. I, I know... Sometimes we feel like we need the answers to people's pain, but so you know what you can do when someone's in pain and just in, in, in deep grief? is just take them by the hand and pray with them. And some of the most encouraging prayers we've had is just people that just honestly ask hard questions and honestly complain on our behalf. God, we, God, we, don't, know what you were, we don't know what you're doing with the Wilsons, but we trust you. have been some of the most encouraging prayers to us. Um, yeah. It's important, though. Godly complaint's not the end. Uh, it's necessary, but it's a means to get somewhere. And um, I want to go to number three. It's ask boldly. Ask boldly. Did you know that Jesus exercised godly complaint? Listen to the first two verses of Psalm 22. This is what Jesus quoted on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I do not find rest. Do you guys hear the, the coming to God in, in the godly complaint, those first two points in, in those verses? So this is written by David, a man after God's own heart, quoted by Jesus on the cross. And then they move to verse 3, yet you are, in, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. So despite the really hard circumstances that David was in, there's a yet, there's a, there's a but. These, are, these yets and these buts are all over the Psalms of lament, making bold requests, turning from coming to God in honest complaints and, and, and um, making urgent requests. Here's some of the requests in Psalm 22. God, be not far from me, for trouble is near. There's none to help, verse 19. But you, O Lord, be not far off. Come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Guys, laments are full of bold asks. By faith, they ask God to be true to his character and his promises. And all over, the lamenters are praying bold things like, God, would you be near to me? God, would you bring justice to a crazy situation? God, would you forgive the the wickedness of my sin? God, would you restore a broken situation that seems unmendable? God, would you teach me in a way that I just don't feel like I have the wisdom or the knowledge? And so we can pray boldly in our lament too. Things that seem unattainable or, or hopeless. God, would you save my lost family member or the situation that just seems hopeless? Or God, would you restore this broken relationship that just seems beyond repair? God, would you give me joy? Just give me joy in the depression that seems un, unescapable in the moment now. Christians are invited, even commanded, to come to God with bold, specific requests. And how do we do that? I love what Hebrews 4.16 says. It says, let us, let you, Christian, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's our standing to come confidently before a holy God? The reason Hebrews 4 right here. Look at the previous verse. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. So we come boldly to the throne because we come to Jesus, who sympathizes with your pain, sympathizes with your weakness. Jesus is even a pro-lamenter. I don't know if you know this. Jesus wept at the tomb over his dead friend Lazarus, and the, the professional mourners were impressed with Jesus' lamenting. So Jesus is like the, the pro-lamenter of the New Testament, right? He endured backstabbing friends, loneliness, physical pain, slander, so much more. And in that hardship, he was without sin. And you come to God, you come to him on Jesus' merit, not your own. That's how we come confidently to the throne of grace. And man, I, I know that in lots of really hard pain, it's really hard to do that, just to come and pray a bold prayer. When we're in the, the depths of despair and pain and confusion and doubt. And so I want to give you a couple um, just helpful things, encouragements when you're feeling like that. One, just pray the scriptures. God has given us the, the Psalms to pray for us. Man, if you don't have the words, just go, just go to the Psalms and pray those back to God. And secondly, man, invite others in. There are so many times where Jen and I did not have the words to pray. We could not pray boldly to God. We felt so weak. We had other people come around us, put their arms around us, and pray boldly on our behalf. You want people in your life that can do that for you, and you want to do that for other people. That's point three. Last stop on our journey of lament. I think this is often the most difficult, um, and it's choosing to trust. So back in Psalm 77, Asaph makes a really strong pivot away from his honest complaints. Look at what he says. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I'll ponder all your work. I'll meditate on your mighty deeds. So pause there for a second. Asaph is making a choice. He's going to remember, dwell on, ponder God in all his work. This isn't passive. This is intentional, hard work, especially when you're in pain. Asaph's circumstances have not changed. His pain is not gone. Even though his emotions are screaming at him to question God, to to run from God, to doubt God, he remembers God. It's volitional not an emotional response. And what does he remember? Look at what he remembers. Verse 13, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You've made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Going to verse 19, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So pause for a second. If you put those up against the first, those really big questions and doubts, those honest complaints, you might be like, how is this the same guy writing in the same time in the same song? How is such pain and grief and doubt running up against such worship and trust in the same moment? And this is what the power of lament does, guys. The, the final turn of our journey through laments, a look is to look at God's character, his past work, and to anchor in those things, and then choose to trust him based on those things. 
So specifically, Asaph anchors his trust and his hope in one redeeming event, the the parting of the Red Sea, the the freeing of Israel from uh, their biggest enemy, the Egyptian slavery. He anchored his soul in his past reality, and he chose to trust God. And man, for the Christian, we have even a greater salvation than um, the parting of the Red Sea, don't we? And we can look to the salvation of our sin by the crimson blood of Jesus. We, we can look to Jesus who saved us from a much bigger problem than Egyptian slavery. The slavery of sin, the slavery of death. And even though we had this condemnation of eternal punishment, Jesus stood in the gap for us. He led us through the waters of God's wrath to safety. And unlike Moses, who got out, he actually stayed behind. He took on the the wall of water of God's wrath on our account so we would be free from sin, free from death forever, for all time. And man, we can celebrate the Exodus with Asaph. That's great. But even more than that, we remember the cross. We remember our insurance that our our sin has been paid for. It's as far as the east is from the west. We remember the empty tomb and have confidence. We will reign with Christ forever where sin and death will be done away with. And man, we remember the fact because God did not spare his own son for your sake. Man, we can trust him as a good father. We take those truths and so many more and we anchor our soul in the gospel already accomplished and then we choose to trust. And as you walk with others through pain, man, you you can do this for them and with them too. Reminding them of God's faithfulness. Even when it's hard for them to believe. I still remember one specific just turning moment where my brother-in-law, we had, um, in one of our first miscarriages, I just remember he didn't feel like he needed to say a lot, but I just remember he just looked at me and said, God, God knows what it's like to lose a son, to lose a child. And man, I don't know why, but I was just so struck by God's faithfulness, that he has lost a son to redeem me, to redeem us, soften my heart. So in your pain, you, you need to make a decision. Will you choose to trust? No one can make you trust. I can't convince you to do it. You have to take this leap, even in your pain. And I distinctly remember a point when I decided to choose to trust God in, in the early and painful days of our um, first miscarriage. I was sitting by myself. It was a worship service. Picture yourself here sitting, you know, worship service song. It was our sinning church in North Carolina. And man, I was just confused, um, wounded, numb. And the congregation started singing this song, To Be Like You. It's the name of the song. And man, I, I did not feel like singing. I don't, I don't know if any of you feel like that this morning. I did not feel like singing. I, I kind of mumbled the opening words because I'm a good, good Christians sing, right? But I did not want to. And man, after these first verses um, came these words from the song. Um, the song says, here I'll bow, give all to you. Lord, I want to be like you. All I want, all I need, more of you, less of me. Take this life, Lord, it's yours. Have my heart. Have it all. And man, I heard those words and they were like nails on a chalkboard to me. It's like, no, I... I cannot sing that. Um, how can I bow my life to you, God, with all this pain that you've given me in my life right now? How can I trust you when you've wounded us so deeply? And as I was wrestling with this, the thought, this is the initial lyrics came back around. Humble king, 
Holy One, friend of sinners, you walked my road, you understand. Servant King, friend to me, you saved my soul, you washed my feet. And my soul just remembered, the humble king knows me. Um, He served me by washing my feet. He understands my pain. The God of the universe knows what it's like to lose a child. Um, And through that pain, I heard this invitation. Will you trust me? And in that moment, I, through all my pain, I... I chose to trust the God that had allowed so much pain into my life that week. Um, I don't think I've ever heard a harder time. I've had a harder time singing words before. But I forced these words out. All I want, all I need, it's more of you and less of me. Take this life. Lord, it's yours. Have my heart. Have it all. Jesus, all I want is to be like you. And as I forced these words out through my tears, man, my heart began to change. My heart followed my words. And I felt his comfort and his nearness and his love. And, and I realized that, path, that pain is not the path to despair. But through lament, there was a way to greater know my Savior, the suffering servant. Man, my pain did not end. There's still pain, but God promises they gave it purpose. Um, I love this quote. Uh, not until lament did I really, could I really agree with this quote from Spurgeon. He says, I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. And man, lament helps me to believe this to be true. That getting slammed by the pain of this life, if it brings me closer to Jesus, man, then I can worship God through that and I can trust him with that. Because he's worth it. Knowing Jesus is worth it. So today, friends, we're we're faced with the same decision in face of our pain. Together, will we come to him? Together, will we bring our honest complaints to him? Together, will we pray boldly? And finally, together, will we trust him? Even in our pain, our our despair, and our doubt. Um, When I pray, the band's going to come up, and I'm going to have a couple other people come up. And I want to give you some time to respond during the next song. Um, but first, I want to give you some examples of lament from just people in our, in our congregation. And so, um, again, I, we're not teaching it so you can define lament. I'm teaching it so hopefully we can do lament together. Um, we have a few members share. Um, my wife Jen's going to share just a, a, a prayer of lament from um, our early miscarriages and, and some other losses in her life. And then um, Jordan and, and um, David Polimus are going to come share about a loss of their adoption. And, um, and actually, this did not happen in the second service, but, um, in, or the first service, but uh, Joy, who's playing on the keys, is going to share a song of lament that she wrote, and I put her on the spot to, um, to do it um, in between services. So it's going to be great. Um, let me pray for us, and we'll enter another time together. Father, I want to thank you that you're big enough for our pain and everything that we can bring to you. God, thanks that you invite us not to come in with a veneer of everything's fine, especially when there's pain going on in our life, but we can come to you with the hardest things. And we can come to each other with the hardest things because we can come confidently to the throne of grace. 
Thanks that you've secured that in Jesus. Thanks that we look to Jesus who lamented, who wept. I'm so thankful that we have a God that wept over death, that wept over people uh, rejecting him. And God, would we have the courage to come to you in the brokenness and pain we have inside of us and the brokenness and pain we see outside of us. God, would we have the courage to bring those things to you, to have a deep um, just robust worship of you through everything in life, knowing that we can trust you. God, help the clogged up hearts in this room today. I pray for those that have pain that they have not brought to you. Would they bring it to you today and this week for the first time? Just saying, God, I'm in pain and I need you and I trust you. I'm going to keep coming to you. Would you help hearts that are clogged up and hesitant to trust you? Would you help them root in the faithfulness of God what you have already accomplished, that you have spared no expense to purchase your people? And God, I pray that we would root our hearts in that reality to help us believe you, to help us choose to trust you now. And God, help us lament together. We are not alone. Help us um, today. If there's anyone that needs prayer, that needs someone to just put their arms around them, to pray with them, God, I just pray that you'd bring those people um, Give them the courage to speak up, to raise their hand, to come to talk to me or someone in the back. God, I just pray you do that today. And we just want your glory. We want, we want the city to see that no matter what pain there is, this God is worthy of worship. That's what we want. So God, glorify Jesus through our lamenting, through our pain. Glorify Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. To find other messages or get more information about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Thank you for listening to the Redemption City Church Podcast.